welcome to a Friday night edition of Jocks and Locks. Back after a little time off. Uh, couldn't make it to you on Monday last weekend. Here with the one and only Rhino. Rhino, welcome back. How are you, bud? Good. It's good to be back. To be back at it again. Best podcast out there. Ready to rock and roll. Hey, I can't disagree with you. I think our uh, listeners asked and they want more so we're back back on back on the saddle and uh, gonna give you guys what you want so uh, we're gonna start off with a little first pitch uh, tonight I just want to give a shout out to another podcast out there uh, it's a college baseball podcast called 11.7 and uh, I was fortunate enough to coach one of the gentlemen that was uh, that runs this podcast Ben Upton and uh, it's unfiltered, uncensored college baseball coverage. Uh, they take a deep dive into college baseball uh, with details you'll find nowhere else. So shout out to 11.7 uh, College Baseball Podcast. Ben, uh, I know, is a very, very intelligent individual when it comes to knowing about college baseball. And so it uh, looks like they're doing big things over there. So shout out to them. Man, I'll have to uh, tune into that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great podcast. I listened to it a few times and... They really just dive into college baseball, which not many others do. And uh, him being a, a former Division One athlete and also a junior college athlete, you know, he's 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 able to talk on multiple levels uh, regarding uh, college baseball. So uh, kudos to to them to get that podcast going and started. So uh, tune into eleven point seven. Uh, we're going to start off with a little bit of news, obviously, in the world of baseball. Bryce Harper. Uh, signs a 13-year, $330 million deal uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. Finally. Uh, yeah, we finally had the last big domino fall, and I think it left a few people's heads uh, scratching. Uh, I, I think on both sides. Uh, you know, who, who won the deal, who lost the deal? Uh, was, it good for, was it good for both parties, uh, bad for both parties? We'll kind of dive into that. And... Uh, you know, I think what this does do, though, is obviously landing a big fish like this gives the Philadelphia Phillies uh, a window to extend their future to be a potential World Series contender if they can add a few more supplemental pieces uh, to this already bolsterous roster and offense. So, uh, Rhino, what do you think about the deal? Um, well, it, 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 I'm just glad it's finally over. Um, I'm, I think... You know, it was just a matter of time. There's some some other players out there that that were kind of creeping in, but Philadelphia was kind of where we had expected him to go now for a little while. Um, I, I'm just gonna be honest. I don't care who it is. A 13 year deal is way too long. Um, I, I I personally think they're gonna be lucky if they get five to six years of that production out of them. To be honest with you, with what they're paying them, um, I, I just think there's it, it's just. A non- nonsense to me. I, I don't like long-term deals like that. I think 13 years is absolutely crazy, um, and especially in a game where you know something could happen. Now, now, not saying Bryce Harper's a bad player at all. I think he's a phenomenal baseball player and, and obviously a phenomenal hitter. So I think he's definitely going to bring some uh, juice to the Phillies. Why I'm looking at it now is just from top to bottom one of the best. And I, but again, I, I think just th- these these owners and GMs just get so caught up in the 
the, the long-term deals. And it's like, I, I'll be honest with you, five, six, seven years. And then who knows what happens those last last couple of years. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in that. I'm not in that boat at all. I think the Bryce Harper deal. Yes, it's a little bit long. I think it's a, long, a little bit long in the tooth for Bryce. Uh, it doesn't really give him much flexibility with a no, full no trade, which obviously he can waive. Uh, and and there's no opt out, so he's looking at an average annual value of being worth about twenty five point four million dollars against the cap for the next thirteen seasons. Now I know we say thirteen seasons, and it seems like an eternity. But what this does do is it gives you a middle-of-the-order bat, a rare bat that doesn't uh, come around too often. Uh, I'm more high on Bryce Harper than some are. I think Bryce Harper still has his best years to come. and He's still learning, uh, learning his own self. And uh, being only 25 years old, I think, his, I think his, his best years are ahead of him. So the deal for me, what it does is it stretches out that $330 million over those 13 years, which in turn gives the Phillies another opportunity to go out and sign another middle-of-the-order bat and or another power arm uh, when those options come out, uh, a.k.a. Mike Trout, in 2020. And there's been a lot of speculation now that Trout would be a fish that the Phillies would go uh, – go fishing for no pun intended believe that this really solidifies the Philadelphia Phillies as uh, quote unquote the Yankees of the National League and they're out in full of vengeance to take back that NL uh, NL crown and represent them in the the fall classic Uh, how how good is that division now uh, too good, and that's one of the problems that I do have. Uh, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, to make anything that that that's, that sucks for the Phillies is you're running into a buzzsaw in that division. You know, you get a you get a team like the Atlanta Braves, who overachieved last year, but still uh, were able to win a division that was very competitive. And now I know the Nationals lose Bryce Harper, but he stays in division. They had Patrick Corbin and the Mets, who, in, in all reality, in most off-seasons, had a very, very successful and busy one. But in that division, it was probably the third most successful uh, uh, team to, to do transactions in, in, in that division because the other two teams that, that were in there, you know, Washington and, uh, and like last night, the Phillies, I mean, that that those deals they made with for Harper for Real Muto and the Patrick Corbin deal, I really think solidifies, you know, a lot of what, uh, you know, they needed. And even the Nationals adding the likes of Brian Dozier, a thumping second baseman who can provide more jolt to that offense. I know you lose a lot with Harper. You know, I think they kind of euthanized and, and was and, and were able to uh, cultivate that farm system a little bit. I know they lose Harper, but they bring up another young a young star. Let Juan Soto sit sit in the uh, sit in the king's chair in Washington. So, as you said, that 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 division is absolutely jam packed. Hey, you can't forget about old uh, the Nats adding Big Yon Gomes to down there behind the plate. <laughs> yeah. You know me, I'm Jan Gomes. 
I got about as much faith in him as a uh, kid in a candy store. Uh, he He's okay, but yes, I, I do think he does help a pitching staff, and I know, you know, talking about Jan Gomes, I think the JT Real Muto deal uh, for the Phillies is going to be the one that's going to be the biggest of the offseason period. I know Bryce Harper, Manny Machado were the two big, big fish, but Real Muto's ability to handle that, handle that staff and his knowledge behind the plate is going to pay maximum dividends for them as they try and make their way uh, to an NL East crown. You know, I think too now they need to probably go out and make a couple more, make a couple more moves. I mean, if you look at their payroll right now for 2019, they're only at 137 million, uh, and they're roughly about 70 million underneath the uh, luxury tax uh, cap, the luxury tax one uh, uh, cap. I know that the second threshold would be 200, and I believe 26 million, and then the third is 246 million if your team total is over. Those amounts, you're going to get taxed at a higher rate. So they've got room to, to maneuver still on Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimberl are still sitting out there looking for jobs. Mm. You know, I mm. think it was it's kind of comical because a couple of weeks ago, Reno had no idea where Keuchel was going and didn't give didn't give us anything. Well, hell, yeah, I, Keuchel, yeah, hell, Keuchel himself doesn't even know where the hell he's going. So how can <laughs> I expect Reno to know where he's going? Hey, I, so, I got him going. Hey, I got I got I got him going to the Toledo Mud Hens, your hometown team. Man, that would be great. He'd be a fan, he'd be a nice draw for the old old Mud Hens down there at Fifth Third Field. I'd love to see a little Keiko pitch down there. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I just want to apologize to Rhino. Hell, like I said, if Keiko doesn't know where he's going, hell, Rhino shouldn't either. So, uh, Rhino, you got anything else on this uh, on this deal, or anything else they should do to try and cement themselves as the uh, class of the NL East? I don't know. I mean, maybe go out and get a, a couple bullpen arms, maybe. Um, but again, I think that that could be something even, you know, towards the deadline during the season, they can kind of see, you know, who who's out there and and, and maybe deal um, to get another arm because that obviously, especially in the back end of the bullpen, that never hurts to have those arms going into uh, making a fall classic run. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that division as a whole. Um, uh, it's going to be really competitive, and and for my Braves fans out there, you know, we, we talk about that window closing and, 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 and being open. You know, nothing's guaranteed now, especially with with the, the moves that that these teams are making in in division. Um, so, but I, I'm really curious to see how that that division plays out this year. All right, let me ask you this: on the I'm going to uh, catch a little bit off guard here. If I had to ask you right now. You rank those teams in the NL East uh, best to worst right now, today. Uh, how you ranking them? Ooh, well, that's tough. I, I'd honestly – all right, so obviously Mets are going to be last. Um, I think the Braves are going to slide in there at, 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 at three. Um, you know, well, first of all, we have the um, – don't the forget about the double double A Miami the, Marlins. Double, the, you know, can we even? They're they're not even going to be in in the ranking. They don't need to be. Um, so you got the the Marlins, the Mets, um, going from bottom to top. Braves, and I think honestly, I'm going to give the edge to the, the um, Phillies right now. But I think it's one A, one B with them and the Nats. Yeah, I'm going to go Phillies and Phillies to win the division. 
I think the Nationals are the uh, – I, I see the Nationals being the second team in the division. I will say the Braves as well, even though it pains me to say it. I hate the Braves. Uh, the Mets at four uh, will give the Braves problems. And then, obviously, there's about five layers of uh, of feces. And then you get the Miami Marlins. I mean, I mean, I mean the, uh, shout the, out, thir- the, the shout Thursday out, night beer. Go ahead. Shout out to my one of my best friends, Todd Pratt, manager of the Jupiter Hammerheads. Love you to death. Uh, but we all know that it's a rebuilding situation. I think the in, my, uh, in Miami, the Thursday uh, Thursday night beer league softball team could beat the Marlins. Yeah, there's not a lot of talent on that on that big league roster. It's it's pretty unfortunate. So yep. All right, we're gonna get into uh, batting practice. So more baseball for you. We're gonna do a little Hall of Fame discussion tonight, and uh, this came up a couple months back. Mariano Rivera, first unanimous Hall of Fame selection. And you've heard rumblings along the, around the uh, baseball world that should he have been the first unanimous Hall of Famer. And I have no problem with it, to be quite frank with you. Because as we currently stand... The Major League Baseball Hall of Fame is the most exclusive of all the Hall of Fames, in my opinion. And with a closer going in is a big deal, and we haven't had many that have gone in, Mariano Rivera's numbers were absolutely mind-blowing compared to his competition. And I'm going to give you a few a few stats to chew on. He had a 2.21 ERA with 652 saves, which is the most of all time. Uh, 1,173 strikeouts over a 19-year span. Now, I know he was graced with playing for the New York Yankees in a time where you could obviously consider that a dynasty. But... Mariano Rivera's numbers were simply second to none. And if you think back, how many closers, even in the last 15 years, have had windows open and close so quickly when they were at the top or close to the top of their respective profession closing baseball games, but then fell off a cliff one, two, three years later. Mariano Rivera was a stallion for 19 seasons as a New York Yankee. It's it's so hard to close baseball games. It really is. And, and, and if you're able to, you know, like you had mentioned, if you're able to do it for, hell, a couple of years in a row, that's a, that's a phenomenal feat. Uh, yet 19 years. That's just simply unheard of, and, and it is well-deserved. Now, I don't know how to quantify the distance between Mariano Rivera and the second guy in line, Trevor Hoffman. I think Trevor Hoffman has been undervalued his entire career and after. And let me ask you something right now. If 
Trevor Hoffman would have had the opportunity to pitch in the confines of Yankee Stadium and pitch for the New York Yankees, would we be talking him, about him in a different light? And if you switched him and R- Rivera and put Rivera in San Diego, what would we be saying today? I uh, the, the the gap would be closer, but it still wouldn't be the same. That's just my honest opinion. I mean, the numbers are just. There's, like you had said, there's so much distance um, between that that one to two. Um, I, I don't think, you know, yeah, it makes a it makes a difference pitching during that time for the Yankees. But I just think Mariano's stuff was just, and again, nothing taken away from Hoffman. He was just that much better, and that I mean, I I I think again the gap closes, but it's not it's. It's not like a Hoffman would be one, Rivera would be two. That's just my honest opinion. Well, think about this. Here's a list of about 11 guys who you could argue over over their career at one point were close or 1A, 1B, or 1 and 2 compared to Rivera during his reign of dominance as a closer in the major leagues. So one is obviously Eric Gagne. Eric Gagne... Had a decent career, had that consecutive save streak, but my God, he fell off a cliff after three seasons. Mm-hmm. He was okay, he was a, he was dominant, and then fell off. Mm. Ryan Wilson, fear the beard. Yeah, I remember when mm. he was good. Yeah, it took two seasons, and that that guy was out. Of, that guy was out of baseball. He couldn't pitch jo- anymore. Literally, Jonathan Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> now. Guy is a top 15 save guy of all time, but what was he? Three or four really good years in Boston. Goes to Philadelphia, has a couple okay seasons. Then can't find his way, can't find his ass with both hands. Joe Nathan. Had a lot of successful years with the Twins. Went to Detroit. Did okay. Then lost a job. Francisco Rodriguez. One I like to give credit to, really kind of reinvented himself in the last half of his career, was not the same guy he was when he was with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Was a power arm, mid to upper 90s fastball with that devastating slider against right-handed hitters. But had to reinvent himself. It wasn't the same guy. Jose Valverde. At one point, top, top four, five, top, top five closer. Fell off a cliff. A guy still pitching today who really has had maybe one of the most remarkable careers of anybody on this list is Fernando Rodney. Now, mm. he's just getting slap saves at this point. And there's a lot of years where he looks like he's about uh, two, two or three balls away from heading back down to double A and never seeing the light of day again, but somehow stays on a roster. We also think Alondis Chapman is some type of, of superstar. Yeah, he's really good and he throws really hard. But let's look at the numbers. He's really not, he really hasn't been consistent at all. Injuries, right. control, command. He's been okay. But what you see is what you get. Joaquin Soria, two or three years in Kansas City. It, best closer in baseball, or arguably one of the best closers in baseball. Guess what? Two years later, he's a setup man. Lost a job. Kenley Jansen. We all thought he was the best thing since Rivera. 
one year he has that huge year of saves. Crept up, was pretty good, was elite. Last year, pedestrian. Does he bounce back this year? I don't know. But the longevity of what Rivera did is simply remarkable. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. If you look at who maybe the most consistent guy has been since Mariano stepped away is probably the, the man that was in Atlanta and then San Diego and then went to Boston. Craig Kimbrell, who's still in the market. Renard, do you know how many saves Craig Kimbrell has in his career? No idea. Probably 333. Not he would have to double, yes, double his saves to 666. And he would only surpass Mariano Rivera by 14 saves if he doubled his saves he's had. And he's had a phenomenal career. And he has had a phenomenal career. Let's stop with all the complaining that Mariano Rivera shouldn't have been the most, or shouldn't have been the first unanimous Hall of Famer. The man was simply that much better than everybody else. And I guarantee you, if Derek Jeter would have been ahead of him in the Hall of Fame class and was unanimous, this would have never, ever been a story that Mariano Rivera was the first one ever. Mm. Mm. God, that, cut, our... that cutter is filthy. One pitch. Yep. Night-night. We're going to get into our last segment of the night. Before we do, we're going to tell you who our sponsors are. And like always, it's the Black Tux. And we're back with our last, last segment of the night. You lock it up. We've got a handful of games on the dock. We're going to talk about four of them tonight. We're going to talk about four of the games tonight. And uh, we're going to start off with North Carolina visiting a desperate must-win resume-building win for the Clemson Tigers. Clemson Tigers Rhino. What do you have on this one? So you're going to want to listen to me for all of these, Dewey. I hope you agree with me because if you don't, um, I'm, I'm sorry for those that, that end up going with you. But, hey, this is a little friendly competition. Um, I'm going UNC with uh, covering, whatever it is. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. Clemson had a nice has a nice little two-game win streak going after they had a, a, a horrendous three-game. Um, and I think North Carolina is right there on the edge looking to become a number one seed. And this is just going to be one more step to doing that, especially knowing that another game against the, the Blue Devils lies around the corner. Um, so they're going to be ready to go, um, fully motivated, and they're going to go into Clemson and, and, and tear them down. Ron, do you have a spread on that game? Let me, uh, let me, let me look here. Um, whatever it is, it could be 20. I'm taking North Carolina. I think I don't see that spread yet. I really believe, uh, I would think it's probably 13. Yep. North Carolina. I'm taking them 12 and a half. 
this is a no play for me. Uh, I'm not touching this game. It's going to be low scoring. I think Clemson's defense will show up at least. And I don't know. Yeah, North Carolina to me is flashy, and I think they're pretty darn good. I just don't really have any read here. Uh, I think I'm going to pass. You can have your North Carolina Tar Heels, and uh, I'll just move on to the next one. So I guess I take a hard pass there. Wow. Dynamite take by me. But uh, let's move on to the next one. Come on. That's kind of weak, Dewey. It is. It's not a good start. That's a terrible start, obviously. All right, let's get to the next Next game, Penn State visiting the Wisconsin Badgers. What do you got? All right, what's your what, no? You, what's your read on this one since you didn't give us a, a one on the last game? I'm going to take and ride the hot hand here. I think uh, Penn State's going to be a dog. Uh, I would think it's within five. I think it's about a five and a half, maybe five to five and a half. I'll take the points and I'll eat and I'll take Penn State. I think they're as gritty as any team in, in, in the Big Ten right now. I think they can beat any team in the Big Ten right now. They're playing that good of basketball. Uh, they uh, they'll spread you out. They can beat you. They can beat you from the three point line. They can beat you inside. I like Penn State, and I think Wisconsin's starting to dwindle just a hair. And there's just a lot of mediocrity in that division or in that conference for me. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of teams with a lot of high ceilings and upside. Give me Penn State and the points. Well, I, I like that. I really like that. I'm going to go Penn State money line if I had to take a bet. Um, since their eight game. Uh, skid or, or, or losing streak that they had in Big Ten play. They've won five of their last seven, and I think they're going to win this game and then win their last two to end the season on a six-game winning streak and and definitely the most improved team in college basketball. Hands down, not even a close. Yeah, uh, I think we're both on the same page there. Uh, that game is actually... Minus seven and a half. I've actually found it at minus seven and a half for Wisconsin. So I will definitely take the seven and a half points at Penn State and be happy as a little pig in shit. Uh, next game, another Big Ten game. Early game, 12 noon. Michigan State visits the Indiana Hoosiers. Rhino, mm. where are you going on this one? Michigan State. No, no question. Um, look, Indiana's scary, especially at home, but... You look at what they've done and their past couple games. Yeah, they got lucky against Wisconsin. I think you win a game in, in two overtimes at home. Um, that's great. They got off their atrocious run that they had. Um, and they, they did beat Michigan State at Michigan State. So I think Michigan State's going to be out for some revenge. And Michigan State, coming off the big win against Michigan, you know, they, they've won – five in a row um, and even with with the injuries they've been playing really well and I don't think there's going to be a hangover they've had a week essentially a week until they're um, since their last game against Michigan um, so I, I don't think there's going to be any hangover effect I think they're going to handle Indiana pretty easily yeah Cassius Winston to me is a he's a poor man's version of John Rondo I love watching the kid play basketball he orchestrates that offense so damn well They've had so many injuries, and they just keep plugging along. Uh, just shows the uh, maturity of that team and what Izzo can do. And obviously, you know, handled Michigan last week. Michigan won that that uh, drought where they couldn't score the basketball. 
And uh, I think seven is a lot, uh, but I will take Michigan State as well. I think they, I think they do win on the road and win convincingly. I think they're starting to make a move. I'm still not convinced they can make a deep run in the tournament, but I'll take Michigan State and eat the points. Going back to the UNC game, finally found that line, and Rhino, I'm going to hop on board with you. So I guess we're we're going to start. We're agreeing tonight on the you lock it up session. North Carolina is a four point favorite in that game oh. at Clemson. Oh, give me that max bet. Yeah, give me that. I, that's that's pretty juicy to me. As a reminder. These lines and all other lines that we talk about are for entertainment purposes only. If you are sports betting, please bet responsibly. And the featured game of the night, or the game, or the of the day tomorrow, and this is kind of a Rhino and I staple. Uh, two teams. Mm. Here we one go. I, one I know that he loves and respects and likes, and the other one he really dislikes. And I really don't dislike the other team. I just think that. That one side of this team or this other team is better than what he thinks, if that makes any damn sense. Uh, University of Kentucky visits Knoxville for a rematch revenge game against the Volunteers. The Volunteers open up as a two and a half point favorite. Rhino, oh, what oh. do you got? Why would you even ask me? What do I have? I mean, seriously, we've been over this how many times? You're going to ask me what I have? What do you think I have? A smart ass. I asked you who you have. Answer the question. <laughs> oh, big blue, man. Big blue. They'll, they'll, they'll win again. That's all you're going to give me? Well, I just wanted to see what your reaction was. I mean, you told me to give you, give you my pick. I gave you my pick. No, I mean, they're riding a four-game win streak. P.J. Washington has been a monster the last six games, averaging 22 points a game, six boards. Um... You know, I, I look at Tennessee, and again, I'm not. I just think they're an overachieving group, and I think it's finally caught up to them. Um, when I look at their schedule, and this is where it's, you know, the, the college basketball season's long, and it's it's a grueling season. Listen, do you and, have enough? Do you have enough hair on your ass to take them money line or what? Oh, Kentucky. No. Yeah. Uh, San Jose State. Yes, yes Kentucky. Kentucky. I'm taking. I'm not. Okay, I'm not taking idiot. the points. Give me. Give me. Give me Tennessee minus two. No, and no, half. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish my. Let me finish my point here. Well, hurry you up. Can, you can rebuttal. Wait. You want me to give you points? Here it is. So seven of the first oh, uh, eleven SEC games that Tennessee played was against the bottom six teams in the SEC. They handled their business. Congratulations. Now they're playing some of the better teams, and you see what's happening. Um, and of those 11 games, the highest team that they played was Florida. Um, and they're sitting at six right now in the SEC standing. So again, it's great that you're beating average to, to the bottom teams in the SEC. You're handling your business. But when you start playing the big dogs, you see what happens. You start losing, a, you know, they, they had a good uh, fight against Ole Miss. And, and I'll give them credit for that, for staying in the game. But Come on, this is this is you start hitting the, the good teams and you see what happens. Listen, UK money line, let's go. Listen, they beat Gonzaga already this year. They've handled their business. They took care, won nineteen in a row. All right, hell, they got bored. All right, they started playing tiddlywinks on the bench. 
Okay, lost to North, lost to UK on the road, got housed. We know that. Mm. Came yep. back, came back home, spread out and beat Vandy by twelve. Lost at LSU on bullshit. Referees graduated from LSU in 1967, all three of them. All right, and then go on the road again. So three out of four on the road and go beat Ole Miss. Now I don't know what else you want from a team. Teams flat out hammer away at their schedule. Had a cup, had one down game, got screwed at LSU. Give me Tennessee. Okay, even, 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 oh, even, Rocky Top. Even even if let's just say they won the the LSU game, okay, it still doesn't change my opinion on it. That was still, uh, you know, a, a, a game that. It, it it doesn't change my opinion whether they won that game or not. I'm still sticking with it. My 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 take is still locked in. They're not going to make it to the Sweet 16. They're going to get bounced, um, probably in the second round. And well, hell, if they're not going to do the Sweet go, 16, they got to be bounced in the second round. And they're not going to lose uh, in the first uh, round because they're going to be a one seed. All right, smartass. No, they're not going to be a one seed because Kentucky's going to go finish them this weekend. Well, that's where we differ. Hey, it's been fun. Nice Friday night edition of Jocks and Locks. Hope you tune in on Monday. Hope you have yourselves a good weekend. And if you're betting, as we said, please bet responsibly. Rhino, we'll talk to you on on Monday. All right, will do.